Welcome back to the Third Line Grinders podcast. I am your host, Nick Gendro. I'm on a fresh new mic. I hope I sound so much better than I have since we started in uh, this whole quarantine process. But uh, enough about me. We do have some big news to get to right off the hop. But first, let's throw it around. Sonic, Verady, and what's going on? What's up, guys? Cameron Pierce, how are you? Oh, we're going back to the British accents again, Nick. <laughs> nah, it was like a mix of like Boston English, I guess. <laughs> All right, we're going with a hybrid this time. Oh, no. <laughs> All right, I'll take that as you're doing good. And uh, E Spald, fuck Ethan Spalding. What's going on, buddy? Nothing much, just living my life. Um, <laughs> that's great so, so glad you're living your life <laughs> well we might as well just start with uh, the breaking news that literally just broke before we started recording um, I, I, I think uh, Cam you have it up on your screen right now I believe I do alright um, we had a big trade between the New York Islanders and the New Jersey Devils Cam why don't you give us the details so the New Jersey Devils send Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac to the New York Islanders in exchange for nobodies, AJ Greer and Mason Jobst. I hope I'm pronouncing your name right. A first round pick in this year's NHL draft and a fourth round pick in the 2022 draft. And that effectively ruined many of our nights. If you're listening uh, in the Boston and New England region, because I know I wanted Kyle Palmieri to be sent to the Bruins and a lot of other people did, but this move makes a lot of sense if you're the Islanders. Yeah, I agree. 1,000%. Like you you just said, Cam, I mean, it kind of ruined our night because I think we were all low-key kind of hoping that Kyle Palmieri would get traded here. He lives lives here in the offseason. You know, he's he's a guy that kills the bees when he plays against them. And he just seems like he'd be a good fit. He's a right shot, could play on the first or the second line. Uh, maybe even the first right now because Pasternak's been playing on that second line. So just another guy gone. And, I mean, I guess good for Travis Sajak. He gets the opportunity to possibly go after a cup who's he spent his whole career in New Jersey so far. Um, I'm going to pass it off to you guys while I do a little bit more research on these other two players that they that – they, uh, that the devil's got in return for him. Well, I can tell you a little bit about those guys, actually, Nick. Uh, okay. Mason Jobst, again, I don't know if I'm saying his name right, 27-year-old centerman, no NHL experience uh, mm. in his playing career. And A.J. Greer has six points in his NHL career, uh, which he play, I believe all 37 games he has played were with the uh, Colorado Avalanche. I'm assuming my stats are correct. We can double-check those. But, I mean, these guys were definitely thrown on top of the first-round pick and the fourth round for next year. I mean, it, it's kind of standard to throw in a couple of prospects with a trade like this. So, I mean, it, I think it, it, it's clear to me that that is absolutely what the Islanders were, were after, was draft capital, and these guys are just thrown on top. Maybe they can come in and, and make a, a difference in a one-game, one, two-game stint at some point down the road. But... um. Where Looks like Jobs played for Bridgeport. Is it Bridgeport, Connecticut? You think? Yeah, that's yeah. the that's the yeah. Islanders uh, affiliate. The their AHL team. Oh, Sound gotcha. Tigers. All right, so that makes sense then. So, do you have his stats there in front of you, Sonig? Uh, I don't have the stats, but it just tells. It just says that he um, has two assists from Bridgeport this season. It's just like so weird. Like two two guys you never even fucking heard of. Yeah, getting moved for a guy that has been rumored to be traded for like literally the last three years. 
Well, I guess they're both Bridgeport because Greer is has one goal and one assist in ten games with them. Right, uh, but, it's, it's just but like, yeah, you, it's like someone like yeah, like you said, we've never even heard of these people, and they're being traded already to what do they say? Second draft pick, first round pick in this fourth. year's draft, fourth round pick next year, and yeah, so uh, Mason Jobst is up at the end of this year. He barely hits eight hundred thousand uh, dollars in his salary, and he's up at the end of this year, unrestricted. And uh, I can find out about AJ Greer. I mean, he's definitely the bigger of these two. I guess you could call them prospects. But uh, again, this is definitely a deal where the Islanders are, or excuse me, the Devils are looking for draft capital over actual uh, current talent. Yeah, it's, I don't know. I just don't get it. Like, obviously, it seems like the biggest part of this trip was the first round pick, but. I, I don't know. I, doesn't it make you wonder, like, what, say, Washington could have gave up, what the Bruins could have gave up, even what the Lightning could have gave up? Right, yeah, you have no idea. This I just kind of came out of the blue. A lot more proven players on each of those rosters that you could have gave up, along with a first-rounder, or even maybe a second-round pick instead, because you're because New Jersey would be retaining more. I, I mean, I don't know. Unless, unless New Jersey's retaining some of the salary, which I, I don't think we've seen. Uh, right. I don't know. What do you? Uh, we well, already got Cam's. Cam, well, well to hit Cam. on the on you bringing up whether or not they're retaining salary, it really doesn't matter because we're halfway through this season. Neither of these guys are even making eight hundred thousand dollars for the rest of this season. I'm, and I'm New Jersey like has Palmer- more. Hmm? I meant on like Palmieri and Zajacson. I mean, I oh, think I'm sorry. Both yeah, U- yeah, yeah. No, we I don't know anything both- about that right now. I think they're both UFAs at the end of this year. That is correct. So like, yeah. So no matter what, like if anything. New Jersey would retain probably half their salary. It's just like, I don't know. Maybe it's just a salary dump more for, for New Jersey than anything, just so they can have more room next year. But I can't imagine Travis Ajak, who's like in his late thirties, who's been around the league forever, isn't, is making that much money right now. And Kyle Palmieri is probably like a $5 million player. Yeah. I mean, that brings up a good point because you don't, I mean, they ha- there hasn't been any release on that part of it. So you don't know. It's just confusing because you don't know if that's what's happening. Yeah, of course, we're, we're playing the game of speculation right now, which is what we're yeah. always told not to do. But I mean, I guess it's what we're here to do is to talk shit. But I mean, why do I keep clicking on Nashville? I'm sorry. Um, I mean, New Jersey has more projected uh, cap space than any other team in the National Hockey League right now at $35 million. So, and I, I would say that Kyle Palmieri, you can, he could easily get more than $5 million, Nick. I think that, a team will be more than willing to pay him seven and a half million personally. But there's certainly teams know. out there who I think would pay that kind of money. It, again, how Mary, I, I, I think so. Yeah. That's a lot. Oh, I don't, I don't know. I mean, he's, I think he's 33, 34. I mean, yeah, he's been somewhat productive, but it seems like it's only really productive against the Bruins. I think other than that, he only has maybe two or three goals against the rest of the teams that they've played in the division. I mean, obviously, he's a hard-nosed, kind of like a two-way forward. Wouldn't call him a sniper. Wouldn't call him a playmaker. Um, but I think he's just a, a guy that's been in New Jersey who's been their best player, arguably, if not their one of their top three players. So that's why his price was high. But even still, I, I still don't feel like the Islanders paid that big of a price to 
to to get him other than the first round pick. And I think they're perfectly fine with moving on from that because it, I think they look at the standings and where they are and the team that they have, and they feel like they can go make a run at the cup. So especially getting out of this division, I mean, they'd have to go through, you know, maybe Pittsburgh if they stay in third place and then probably Washington. And then if they can get through that, I mean, who knows what's going to happen in the other division. And then all of a sudden they're in the finals. I mean, I don't know. It's I just like I just pictured more would go, or at least more known players, known commodities would go for a guy like Kyle Primary, especially this year. Just given how many teams think that they're that they can make a, a run for the for the Stanley Cup final this year. Yeah. I mean, we all know how I feel about these half season rentals and playoff rentals and all that. I'm typically not a huge fan of them, but I think that even if the Islanders get bounced in the second third round. They kind of, even if they aren't able to re-sign either Zajac or Palmieri at the end of the season, I personally think that they straight up fleeced New Jersey with this deal, personally. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Ethan, did you have any other thoughts on this deal before we move on? Well, no, I mean, I, I, was, I was thinking really the only thing that, that Jersey could do with, with Greer and Jobster, Jobster, whatever the fuck his name is, um, <laughs> <laughs> send them send them down to Lowell maybe for a little bit, but I feel like at the end of the day the, they're probably just going to get moved again if anything. So I think New Jersey definitely got fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely said. It, it almost kind of tells you though, like I think New Jersey just kind of sees it like, hey, well we're not going anywhere this year, so yeah, it is what it is. You know, I mean, let's see what other whatever other younger guys they have in their system that they can call up. And I mean, Ty Smith has been their best defenseman. I think this is his rookie year. So I don't know. Maybe they look to elevate a guy like Miles Wood up to a, a higher line or something. I I don't know. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. Like like you guys all said, it just it sounds like sounds like New Jersey got fucked. <laughs> <laughs> well. Well, well before well we move uh, too far away from this deal, and we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, the impending trade de- deadline as it is, New Jersey certainly has other pieces that they can move for rentals and get more return. Ryan Murray, Sammy Vatanen, Dmitry Kulikov, all defensemen who are up at the end of this season who could garner a decent return for them. Yeah, I mean, there were, there were rumors... Um today and or maybe over the over the weekend or whatever but at least today saying that Boston was interested in going after both Kulikov and Palmieri so kind of trying to you know get get like a two for one if you would I mean I I bet you they could have gave up a guy like Anders Bjork Jake DeBrusque and uh, a defenseman or something and New Jersey probably would have been like made out better than what they got. I mean, maybe Boston wouldn't have parted ways with their first round pick for a guy who's probably going to end up being a rental in, uh, in Kyle Palmieri. And then, I mean, they wouldn't go after Travis Ajak, but I don't know. I mean, then, then again, Kulikov is also up at the end of this year too. So I don't know. It, to me, it just doesn't make much sense, but like you said, Cam, I mean, we got some other trade rumors to get to. So why don't we just hit on it now that we're talking about it? Um, Taylor Hall, he's been a healthy scratch. Um, he was a healthy scratch for Tuesday's game. Uh, so last night's game against New Jersey, a game uh, that you noted that Buffalo won. Of course, Buffalo wins when Taylor Hall doesn't play. There. What does <laughs> yeah. that tell you about Taylor Shocking. Hall? Um, I think, you know, we talked to, we talked about it a little bit last week, and 
Cam, you uh, you said in the in the text that you could see Hall going to what did you say? It was Boston. I, I think I believe it was Boston Islanders who I'm taking off the table at this point. So that would be Boston, Florida, or Minnesota, and it all, of course, depends on the price. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I guess I'm just curious. What makes you say? Florida and or Minnesota. Florida is interesting this year. And that was before, and I kind of jumped to that one before I started to think about the fact that they're probably going to be looking for a defenseman with the loss of that home. But let's go with the I assumption can't. that they're still interested in a guy like Taylor Hall. I mean, honestly, I, I was listening to um, Hockey Central yesterday and they had one of the analysts for the Florida Panthers down there and he said it's hard to tell because it's hard for the media to really get to the teams this year because of COVID protocols but he believes that this team this Florida Panthers team who are one of the top teams in the National Hockey tied for first place I I believe coming into Uh, this right they are yep or at least coming into this recording so Mm -hmm. he thinks that this Florida team is going to go balls to the wall he has not seen this much excitement about Florida or about this Panthers team in Florida since probably the 90s when they acquired Pavel Bure. So, probably when they were still playing in Miami. <laughs> yeah, probably. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but um, I think that a guy like Taylor Hall, if he gets sent to a contender, could start competing a little bit harder and start contributing more on the score sheet if he's surrounded by guys like, you know, whoever's down there, Jonathan Huberto, Alexander Barkov, whoever, whatever, whoever else you want to name. And then to touch on... Minnesota, I think that they could be, and I heard some, uh, what's the word, anonymous sources talking about how Minnesota could be a dark horse uh, in this race for Taylor Hall, if there even is a race right now. And I, upon hearing that, I thought that makes a hell of a lot of sense. And I'll tell you why. He could slot in really easily on first two lines there, maybe maybe even stick him on the third line. and. It's the exact type of move that I could see. This goes for Florida as well, but is the exact type of move that I could see a naive, desperate-to-win organization like Minnesota or Florida making, trading for a guy who at least has the reputation of not being the best team guy. Do you think he's fit in Minnesota for that? I do. Interesting. I mean, it's not... It's. I'll be uh, I'll be honest with you, Cam. I don't think either of them are a bad choice. I think that Florida would make a little bit more sense, but I just wondered, given like what's going on in Florida right now, do you even want to mess with it? Um, and we kind of skipped over, you know, the Aaron Eckblad injury last week. It was, it was a terrible injury, and to a guy that was literally on his way probably to to possibly win a Norris this year. I mean, he's just been that good. He's a, he's their top defenseman. Um, he's a he's a world class player. Um, I mean, there's not enough good things that that people can say about Aaron Ekblad. So I just I just wonder if they would even want to mess with their forward group right now. Yeah. Just given just given that you know Hornquist is there and he's buzzing around and Huberto and Barkoff and they're getting you know a contribution from. You know, just a just an, a, an abordant amount of people over there, and and they have a good defense to back it up, and their goaltending has been solid. So I wonder. I mean, I don't wonder. I mean, it's it's well known that Florida is going to want to try and go after a top four defenseman to fill to fill Ekblad's spot at least for just this year. Um, but when I look at when I pull up, I just pulled up the Wilds. Um, you know, 
top point getters, it's Kirill Kaprizov, and then the next guy is Jordan Greenway, and he only has five goals and 23 points, for, so he has 18 assists. And I think, like, Eric Sinek is part of that, too. Eric Sinek, he's got 12 goals, which is good for second on the team, and he only has uh, seven assists for 19 points. So it's like, I feel like, if anything, Minnesota would make more sense just because you could probably plug him in on that top line with Kirill Kaprizov and Matt Zuccarello. Completely agree. Um, you know, and then they have Nick Bustag, who, you know, was he was good in Florida, and then he went to Pittsburgh and didn't really do anything, and now he's in Minnesota. He's only got 15 points in 37 games. Um, but Minnesota, like you said, they're desperate to, they're desperate even just to make the playoffs cam. Yep. I, I, I yeah. mean, even to all of you, they're yeah. so desperate. There's such a, like a hockey crazy state that like, this is all they want. They just need to make playoffs. And now that, that, and that will at least satisfy the, the fan base. And I, I'm pretty sure they brought in a new GM this year and Bill Guerin, if I remember correctly. So you know, he's going to be hungry to try and make a move and one that might make sense. So it's just a matter of what they, what Buffalo is asking for. And I think that's a lot about what we talked about last week was what is Buffalo going to ask for him? Because given the shortened season, given the fact that Taylor Hall is up at the end of this year and you don't really know about his commitment and his buy-in, I don't know. That still just makes me feel like he's a perfect fit for Toronto and I just don't want anything to do with him in Boston. I agree. I don't want him here in Boston. I think that he is a good fit in Toronto. And I think Toronto maybe does make the most sense. But I I would sort of like to see... I, I don't know that I'd like to see it. But I would not be surprised at all if Minnesota swooped in at the end and, and got Taylor Hall. Like I said, I think it'd be the type of thing that a sort of naive organization would do who was desperate to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ethan, you mentioned ex-Minnesota uh, Wild goaltender and now current San Jose Shark goaltender Devin Dubnik that he could possibly be on the move. Where could you see him going, if anything? And I mean, San Jose is really bad this year, so I mean, they, why wouldn't they try and sell whatever they could? Um, yeah, Devin Dubnik. <laughs> I know you kind of you laughed at it. Yeah, he's he's not great, but um, in terms of where he could go. Well, there aren't – I really don't know which teams are necessarily looking for a goalie, but um, I don't know. I feel like he would probably end up going to just one of those teams that kind of just isn't doing really too well this, this season. You know, maybe to just make some sort of move to difference up the, the, the lines or whatever. But Basically in like terms a of dump, a – Like a dump kind of – Yeah, essentially um, because he really doesn't – he doesn't offer much. I, I hate to say it, but Cam, um, would, you ever, would you ever see Devin Dubnik going to Washington? No, definitely not. Okay, just curious. <laughs> okay, <laughs> sorry, Ethan. Continue. No, no, no. You're you're fine. You're fine. Um, but if I had to, if I had to choose a a team that he he might go to, um, I don't know. That's that's a really it's a really good good thinker right there. Um, well, what what teams necessarily aren't doing too great? You know what I mean? Like, um, fuck. I mean, there's an <laughs> abundance of them, honestly. I mean, I think you got to look at the teams that are kind of in the that are just on the cusp of the of the that of the fourth line. place spot yeah. in each in each division. I mean. 
hell, what if he went back to fucking Minnesota? I mean, could he could he help Minnesota out there? Or, I mean, they've had uh, I'm gonna fuck up his name, Kaparov or something. Uh, I don't know, Kakinen. Kakinen. Yeah, I mean, he's he's stood on his head the whole time, but like, I mean. Like, I don't think St. Louis would go after him. I, I don't think that Nashville would go after him. I mean, maybe Chicago. Would Chicago I was going to say better? maybe Chicago, but... Mm. And then, like, even Columbus, like, supposedly they've been trying to shop around Elvis Merzlikens, too. Like, would they kind of do a goalie swap there? I don't know. Would it make the most sense? I don't know. And then, you know, I don't see Montreal doing it. And Vancouver, who we'll fucking get to, is a fucking abomination. <laughs> Um, or maybe even a team like Philly, like who, where Carter Hart stinks, and like there is something wrong with that guy. Yeah, and we will he's get to Philly too. too. Well. But and then they have Brian Elliott as their backup, so it's like, uh, you know, I don't know, I don't know who who Dubnik would really fit in with. It might just be kind of something like you said, Ethan, just to try and get him out, clear clear up some space, and just see what they can work with uh, in their goalie depth. Yeah, I mean, I I like I I I like Philadelphia. I think that'd be interesting, but there it really is is tough to tell. Yeah, if anything, I just I just want to bring up one more thing about the trade deadline. Just given, um, you know, that we're talking about so many possible teams looking to move, and, and you look at a team like uh, St. Louis, and they have just struggled. They've struggled so hard, so hard this year. I mean. They're in fifth place or five points behind Arizona for the fourth place spot. Uh, they're two, seven and one in their last 10. They're in a three game skid. They're four, nine and four at home, which is atrocious. atrocious. And Jordan Bennington, Jordan Bennington has been trash this year. I mean, yeah, I don't know what's going on with him. He's 10, 11 and five uh, with a two, seven, seven goals against average and a nine Oh four save percentage. I mean, Ethan, we saw what he did against the Bruins in the cup finals. Like, is it just, the fact that is it the team in front of him? Like, do they miss Alex Pietrangelo that bad? Was he that big of a piece on that decor, or is it is he in his own head? Or what I is it? I think he's he's probably just in his own head. I feel like he might. I don't like. I want to say he he might just kind of be burnt out because a lot has been put on his shoulders. I feel like the the organization has really expected a lot from him not saying that he's a bad goalie because he's not he obviously proved that in in the playoffs a couple years ago but um i think it's just i don't want to say he can't handle it because you know we've seen it but i just think he's he needs a break is what it is i really think he does i think he's been playing too much if if that makes sense i mean he started 28 games out of st louis's 38 so far um Oh, no, 27 out of 38, sorry. Uh, he's coming to relief a few times, including in his last five, he is 0-3-0, giving up two goals, two goals, three goals in relief, three goals in a start, and one goal in relief. Um, and it's, I don't know. I, I mean, yeah, maybe like you, oh, no, I'm sorry. In that game, he gave up three goals. He did not record anything because he got yanked. Um. Yeah, it, Ethan, you could be right. It could he could just be overworked. But then I look at his um, his career starts. I mean, 
2018-2019, which was his first year, obviously, as we know, went, went to the Cup Finals, won it. He started 30 games a year, appeared in 32. And then last year in 2019-2020, uh, 50 games played, all of them starts. And then this year, 28 games played, 27 of them starts. I mean, he had 30 wins last year. It was 30, 13, and 7. And this year, he's 10, 11, and 5. I mean, it just makes me wonder. I don't know, Kim, what you think about it. Like, just seeing that they've moved on from Angelo and they bring in Tori Krug and it's just kind of a different back end back there. Do you think that could be the big reason why? I think it certainly is a big reason why. I don't know that it's everything. And before... I do want to touch on Jordan Bennington. I think Ethan makes a really good point that he very well could be overworked. A lot has been asked of him since the 2018-19 season. However, personally, I don't think that he's ever been as good as he really as he was in 2019. I don't think he's ever going to live up. I mean, he could. I, I, I will gladly eat my words on this down the road. I don't think he'll ever work up to the big contract extension he got. I believe he's going to be owed $6 million a year down the road after this season where I think he's making four. It's a lot to live up to. I don't know that he ever will. I don't think that he is as good as everyone made him out to be, including the uh, St. Louis organization. That being said, I do think the loss of Petrangelo was a big one. They bring in Corey, uh, Tory Krug. They had just uh, Justin Falk, Colton pa- Pareko. Colton I think I'm saying his name right. I always forget how to say that name. Pareko. Yep. I mean, it certainly is a big loss to lose Petrangelo. It's, it's he was the captain for how many years since David Backus left? Yeah, since Backus. Yeah. So, so I mean, I mean maybe that's... maybe that's a big part of it is the lack is the loss of that leadership role. And I'm not going to try to take anything away from the leadership role of a guy like Ryan O'Reilly who took over that uh, that captain's role. But maybe that was the start of the struggles, and maybe just not having that veteran guy who is with the organization in that system for so long, maybe that has plagued the defensive a lot. I don't think that that's all of it, though, personally. I think that it goes a little bit deeper than that. Maybe problems that we aren't um, able to see uh, with the naked eye, so to speak. Sonic, do you have anything on that, too? No, I think you guys pretty much touched up on what I wanted to say, so I guess we just have to find out. Do you guys see the St. Louis Blues being sellers this year? Uh, um, they're in a that? similar spot to the Bruins where they're kind of the Bruins obviously in a playoff spot right now. That's the thing that St. Louis is not, but they're kind of on the fringe, so to speak. So do they buy in? Do they sell? I definitely don't see them buying in personally. Um, and I th- think that they'd be fools to sell personally. I mean, they could, they could, they have Mike Hoffman, Tyler Bozak, Jaden Schwartz, all up at the end of the year, all could bring in draft capital prospects, whatever you want, name it. You can get it with those guys. Um, But I, I, if I'm them, I'm going to try to re-sign a guy like Schwartz or Bozak and, and and go from there. Anybody else? No, I think, I think I'm with Cam on that one. It's just like selling, selling certain I don't know that's a tough one I mean my thoughts are they I feel like it would make sense to maybe sell somebody and try to just try to get something you know what I mean to just change it up a little bit um in terms of who I'm not 100% sure but you know they're they're (laughs) they're in a, a situation where 
they haven't been doing great and they should be, I feel like. They're um, 16, 6, and 6. They're at 500 right now. 16, 16, oh. and 6. Sorry, yeah, yeah 16, yeah. 16, and 6. Very I mean, well. I didn't, I didn't expect that at all. I don't think anybody did. Um, but I, I feel like it would just make sense to, to sell somebody. Yeah. Change, like you said, change up the roster a little. All right. Well, let's move on to some less fortunate news that has been uh, going across, obviously, the, the entire country over the last year and a half, but is really struck home with the Vancouver Canucks as, as of today, 21 Canucks players on the COVID-19 protocol list. Ugh. Um, and this is from NHL.com. Defenseman Nate Schmidt was added to the NHL COVID-19 protocol list on Wednesday. Forward Jake Vertanen was added Tuesday after one player Monday, two Sundays, seven players Saturday, five players Friday, one Thursday, and one last Tuesday. That's also insane. Four, there are also four staff members uh, oh part of the... So you got 25 total players slash staff on the COVID-19 protocol list. Uh, the Canucks have not played since March 24th, which was a 5-1 loss to Winnipeg. Their, AHA, their AHL affiliate, the Utica Comets, they have not played since March 10th. Ten games have been postponed. And Cam, was that the Canucks or the Comets will return on Friday, April 10th? Utica Comets. Comets, okay. yeah, not Canucks. Um, Jeez, I feel like the Canucks are not going to come back for a very long time. <laughs> Probably not even this season. I mean, do you, like, oh, that would be so fucking nuts. Like, would you, could you guys actually see that happening? Like a team just, just like, hey, you know what? We can't afford to play any more games. Like, we just need to be healthy. I mean, they're fifth in the, in the Scotia North division with 35 points with three games in hand. Calgary is in six with 35 points. And then you have Ottawa at the bottom uh, with 30 points. So, I mean, I feel like if they were in playoff, can like, you know, the above the line, I feel like maybe yes, they would be like, okay, we're gonna make up these games. But they're not. They're not. But they're that not far back. I mean, they're no, no, they're not that far back. But you have twenty-one people that are out. You know oh, how many? That's gonna yeah. take forever to recover. That is literally like what an NHL roster carries. Is right. An NHL roster right? carries twenty-two. Twenty-two. Yeah. 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 And this so year is different, obviously, with the taxi squad, but. Sorry, an entire team. No, no, I'm just saying an entire team tested positive plus a couple of staff members. I mean, I I have a feeling they're done. I yeah, I don't see how you can come back. No. Especially Even this, with makeup this games. Game. Well, here well, here's the thing. With their remaining schedule, obviously they're going to have games against teams like Calgary and Ottawa who are going to be for the most part out of it. Every team in this division could potentially make the playoffs where they're standing, depending on how well they play down the stretch. However, when it comes down to it, if Vancouver is able to come back, get what I think the NHL is going to have to consider doing is canceling their games against teams like Calgary and Ottawa, who are more than likely not going to make the playoffs and only play the games against the Torontos, the Edmontons, the Montreals, the Winnipegs. So it kind of sucks for the Calgary Ottawa games that those games are going to have to be completely thrown out. If that's the case, if the NHL goes down that path, but it's the only way I think that we're going to be able to see Vancouver make up all the games that have been postponed. They haven't played since uh, March. What was it? 24th. Uh, I think so, it was yeah. March 10th. Earlier. Oh no, no, yeah. that was the Utica comments. 
Uh, sorry, I'll, I'll have to check. Hang on. Give me a second here. I believe we had it written down. Uh, yeah, March 24th, March. which, as you okay. said, Nick, was the 5-1 loss to Winnipeg. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I just skipped over that. No, no, no. That's all good. So, I mean, with all those games being postponed already, I don't, I don't know. I haven't looked exactly at the schedule. I had it up somewhere in front of me, and, of course, now it's not here. But I, I have it right in front of me. So how many of those games are against that – have been postponed and how many are remaining are against teams like Calgary and Ottawa. So just looking at the recent postpones, um, that includes this Thursday against Calgary, the Saturday against Calgary. Uh, they were also set to play Calgary on the 31st of March. And that was their first postponement. Other than that, uh, that is all that's showing right now. It says as of right now they're supposed to play Monday against Edmonton. They haven't postponed next week's games yet. Oh, so. they totally will. But then they have four games against Ottawa to wrap up the month of April, uh, one against Toronto, and then in May they have one against Calgary as of right now. So you're talking one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games out of their remaining you know, if you go back to the, or well, I guess nine, if you include that, if you were to ax out the Calgary game um, back on March 31st, I mean, you're talking, you're still talking at least 10 games, and, yeah. you know, at least against Edmonton, Winnipeg, Edmonton again, Toronto, Toronto. I don't know. I mean, I just don't, I, okay, my, I think it's a good idea. I just, I, I don't see it because because then you have to get you have to get Ottawa to agree to that, and you have to get Montreal to agree. Uh, not Montreal, uh, Calgary Toronto. to agree with that. Oh. And it's like, well, maybe Ottawa would actually be willing to do that because they're probably trying to get a higher pick, but they've actually haven't been playing that pad. So it's like, right. And then you look at Calgary, a team that literally could use every single point that they could possibly get right now just to try and get in the in the playoffs. I mean, they, they have been struggling so hard, even ever since Daryl Sutter came in and took over. I mean, he, I don't know if you guys heard the clip, but he called out Johnny Gaudreau basically saying, like, a reporter asked, asked him, like, what he thought about Gaudreau playing his 500th game, and he was like, oh, well, you know, hopefully his effort is better than his 499th game. Yeah. So, I mean, you got, you got Daryl Sutter, who's, you know, he's a glorified, I mean, he's, I don't know if glorified is the right word, but I mean, he's a two-time Stanley Cup champion with the LA Kings, and I'm sure he's done a lot of other great things I just don't know off the top of my head. So, like, I don't know if Calgary would be willing to get, I mean, granted, they would probably have to get the points, right? Like, so then you have to go to Vancouver and you have to say, hey, you're going to have to forfeit 10 games of your season, and that's a possible 20 points right there. Uh and you're basically basically just kiss the season goodbye. So at that point, I think if you're Vancouver, I think I'd rather just be like, all right, then we're just not going to play and we'll just forfeit every game for the rest of the year. I think that's what they have to do personally. Yeah, I I, I think so too. I think that the NHL is going to do everything they can to try to make sure that those games get played. That's that's the perspective I'm speaking from. But I, I completely agree. I don't think it's plausible that they play a single game the rest of the season. Yeah, I think they're done. Yeah, it's it's just it sucks, a but... unbelievably crazy scenario. And I mean, you got to feel for any guy that's 
on that team that is possibly on the verge of retirement or if his contract is up and who knows if he'll get another one, you know, yeah, it's just sad. I mean, there's so much, there's so much young talent on that, on the Vancouver team. They couldn't really seem to put it together entirely this year. And then they signed Thatcher Demko to that five-year deal. And then all of a sudden he doesn't even get to play because the whole team's in fucking COVID protocol. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, it just, what I think would really change the narrative here is if, you know, Toronto and Edmonton are at the top. Winnipeg, I mean, you can put them there too. But if Montreal and Vancouver and Calgary were within like two points of each other or a point of each other, I mean, the NHL would have a much bigger problem on their hands. I I just, I don't know. I, obviously, the NHL is going to want to have every single game played as much as they can. And they already extended the Bruins season because of their COVID shutdown for a week. But, I mean, you can only extend it so far. I, I think they only gave themselves like a two-week period to have games get made up that ended up getting suspended. So, uh, it's it's just a... it's. But it's the way of the world this year, unfortunately. Ethan, what did you have on that before we move on? You know, on that, like I was saying, I I think it only makes the most sense if they just end their season. Like, I know it's it's shitty because they, you know, they're close enough to where they could be, you know, a contender or whatever. But at this point in time, I think in terms of the health and safety of not only the players, the staff, but um, I guess the community, really. It, and like the NHL community, rather, it makes the most sense to just just end the season. I know it sucks. This entire year has been so wonky and shitty, but like you said, it's the way the world works. Um, it'll get back to normal hopefully soon. I mean, it's just it is the like cosmically brilliant, and I say, I don't say this in a good way that this is the way it might end for Vancouver. They sign. Braden Holpe to all this money, he underperforms wildly. Whether that's his fault or not, there's a whole other discussion. And then they have all these other players. Elias Patterson gets hurt. He's missed however many games at this point. And you have all these other players who just underperform so much. And and in in a division where they could have made a run and, and got a decent playoff spot, it's definitely not going to happen at this point. So yeah. unfortunately, that's just the way the universe has handled this organization this year. Yeah, just like, I mean, you you nailed the cam. I mean, just a team that is so gra- drastically underperformed after last year when they looked so promising with a lot of great young talent and bringing in a guy like Braden Holpe and Thatcher Demko, you would think that'd be a solid one-two punch there for, for years to come after moving on from, from Jacob Markstrom, who has really had a down year with Calgary this year, so... Yeah, just tough, tough, tough news there in uh, in Vancouver. And, you know, th- now the, the more that I think of it, it just might make sense just to axe the season for them. And, yeah, you I know, agree. You give, the, you give the free two points to every other team and you just kind of move on from there. Um, let's move on to the central division, to the uh, central, even though I guess we should have already talked about them. Well, we did kind of talk about them a little bit, but I just wanted to, touch on you know the lightning which ethan i told you i told you on sunday i was like my god like hopefully, <laughs> hopefully the lightning don't get their ass kicked by detroit and they certainly did no no no, 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 no. at first I, at first you're like let's let's hope the uh the lightning get absolutely trashed by detroit and i was like ah 
let's not hope that. And what do you know? Fucking, what was it? Five to one? Five, five, one. <laughs> I, I, just, was cr- I was cringing watching it. All I could think about was you, Ethan. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is going on? How do you, how do you lose five to one to Detroit? I just. It, I mean, they're five and five in their last 10. They've lost two straight, both to Detroit and Columbus. And they have Columbus tomorrow night, Thursday night. So I don't know, Ethan, what the hell is going on with your team? They're now third in the division. I, I honestly, I really don't know what to say. It's just a lot of just stupid, simple mistakes of, of in the, the offensive zone, you know, turning pucks over or, or not shooting when they could or in the defensive zone, not even putting, not putting enough pressure on to where they can, I don't know, help Vasilevsky or whomever's in net. Um, not saying that it's completely not Vasilevsky's fault because he should be playing a lot better than he is, but to to lose five to one to Detroit and then four to two against Columbus, I it just I don't know. Lately, it's just been really shitty. Really not not the way the Lightning should be playing. If that makes sense. I mean, played thirty of the thirty eight games. He's twenty three six and six and one with a an even two goals against average and a nine thirty one save percentage, three shutouts. I'm just, I'm just saying it's a lot of stupid mistakes and it needs to stop. Let's hope it does. <laughs> yeah. Fucking seriously. I hope, I hope, <laughs> I hope tomorrow night it's a lot better, but, uh, I guess, I guess we'll see. I can be hopeful, but I'm still pissed off at it. Well, fingers crossed for you, Ethan. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I mean, I, I just don't want to like glaze over like the Carolina Hurricanes, though. I mean, they, they have been sneakily the best team in the NHL this year. Yeah, they're pretty good. I Was were they playing last night? The, uh, uh, the uh, Florida's win streak, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that was last oh, night. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it, but you just look at the team and it's like the way you break it down, it just seems like they're getting offensive production from from all different kinds of guys from their back end from their forwards i mean they're 26 9 and 3 so they have the least amount of losses in that central division you got tampa 26 11 and 2 and then florida 26 10 and 4 so i mean you got three teams tied with 26 wins but uh carolina has two games in hand behind florida uh, with a plus 31 goal differential, Tampa Bay's got plus 35, and Carolina 13, 2, and 3 at home compared to Tampa's 15, 4, and 0, and Florida's 14, 4, and 3. And then all teams on, on the road are somewhat similar, but Carolina's 6, 2, and 2 in their last 10. I mean, I don't know. They're, I, I just don't, I don't know if that's like a team that you can sleep on come playoff time because. It seems mm-hmm. like for the last couple of years they've been there and then they get bounced in the first round by the Bruins. And But it's like, it seems like this year they're just much better. But obviously this year it's different. You got to play out of your division. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. But they're getting goaltending from who but James Reimer. And, <laughs> and I forget who their backup is. Forgive me, Carolina fans. But, hey, you guys keep doing you. I just I just want to give you guys credit. I mean... You guys in Florida have been the surprise of the of the league this year. So um, let's quickly move over to the East Division real quick. Uh, Cam, your your Washington Capital Capitals. Don't let I speak much. Your your Washington Capitals are still top still top the division. Ovechkin's been hot. I think he's got like ten goals in his last ten games, something crazy like that. 
They got the same record as the Islanders. And I just want to ask, I mean, who will win the division? Also, let me give the record real quick here. I have it. Uh, they're both 25-10-4 with 54 points. Both both have played 39 games. The only differential is the Islanders somehow have scored more goals than the Washington. Oh, they haven't scored more goals for. Their differential is just a little bit better. But yeah, what do you, where, how do you see your caps going right now? Uh, 6-4-0 in their last 10. Well, I'll try to keep it quick because I know we're up against the clock a little bit here, but to come full circle back to the Kyle Palmieri trade talk at the top of the show, the Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac trade to the Islanders certainly changes the whole dynamic between those two teams fighting for the top of the division because one thing that the Islanders do very well is play defense and shut teams down in their defensive zone, and they they can score goals, but they don't really score a ton of them. But with the acquisition of Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac, it's going to add depth scoring to that team. They're going to score a lot more goals. Uh, makes them far more sound offensively. And listen, Washington scores plenty of goals. I'm not worried about that. It, what I'm worried about is them in the back end. And, and I don't think that the goaltending has been the problem. There's been hiccups here and there. It's been a weird goaltending situation all year for them. Obviously, with Henrik Lundqvist being out for the entire year, you have to call upon Vanacek. You have to call upon Vanacek even more with uh, Samsonov being out with COVID protocol for so long. So already there's that debacle. And then the defense just continued inconsistencies from Dmitry Orlov. Jensen has been a lot better, but there's still hiccups here and there. It, it, honestly, going into the trade deadline, I need the Capitals to go out, get another uh, defenseman. And I feel like every year I say the same thing, get a top four defenseman. They did it last year with Brendan Dillon. He did fucking nothing. Not that it was his fault in particular that they got bounced in the first round last year to the Islanders. But if they pick up a, a defenseman going into the trade deadline, I think that they could be set for a pretty decent run. But, but the acquisition of Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac going into the Islanders, it, it definitely changes the dynamic between the title or the division-winning race there. And it, it scares me. I mean, not that I need the Capitals to win the division. I just want them to make it. That's all I realistically care about is that they make it. But they need a defenseman because there's just too many hiccups, too many just disgusting defensive zone turnovers that we see night in, night out. Um, I mean, even Chara, who I love, I would take a bullet for that man. And he has certainly coughed up the puck more than a few times in the defensive zone. Um, but I, I, despite that, I still think he's been fine. I'm not going to, I'm not trying to put him on blast, but they need to be stronger in the defensive zone. They need another defenseman. And that sucks to have to say that for like the third year in a row, but still. Do you have a, do you have a name in mind that you would like to see them go after? I mean, I said the same name last year. I really like Sammy Vatanen. I think he would play very well in Washington's system. Ryan Murray, who we talked about again earlier, clearly New Jersey's interested in selling right now, so it's not like those guys are going to be off the market. And I'm going to throw this name out there who get, for some reason gets thrown out every single year, but he is an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. David Savard. I would love to see the Capitals try to bring in a guy like David Savard. Yeah, and he's doing pretty well this year too. Gritty guy from, from Columbus. I mean... Mm-hmm. He's a guy that will play defense first. That's that's for sure. Which is what the Capitals need more than anything. So I, I would put him at the top of the list, but I think the chances of them actually getting him are, are slim to none. Because just about every time I I put out a suggestion a suggestion for the Capitals to uh, pull off a trade, they almost never do it. So 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I just cursed them. They're not going to get any of those three players. So I, I don't know what the hell they're going to do. They're uh, going to get they, Taylor Hall. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but going into um, actually just a few hours ago, they did put uh, Richard Ponick on waivers, which uh, potentially clears mm. up like 1.06 uh, million of cap space. So, I mean, there's a, there's a move coming. You can't convince me that there isn't something coming after they clear up about a million dollars of cap space. Yeah. So we'll just have to wait and see. Good way to look at it. Um, sticking with the East Division and unfortunately sticking with COVID, uh, Bruins, who was a starter, goal t- starting goaltender, uh, Yaroslav Halak tested positive for COVID-19. So he has been put on the COVID-19 protocol list, which forced the Bruins to call up uh, rookie, uh, oh my God, am I really, Jeremy Swayman, right? <laughs> yes. Oh my- Fucking God. Sorry, there's <laughs> just like too many things on my mind right now. I thought Swayman, you were going to say Vladar, so I was like, oh, wait. <laughs> yeah. Dan Vladar, Dan Vladar, who's been up here, and I think he's done very good so far. Very yeah. uh, mm-hmm. you know, Ever since Tukaras has gone out, which I believe is like now two or three weeks ago, and I still have no idea where he's at. We've I heard our friend hey. Billy Jaffe talk about on Toucher and Rich this morning that um, all he's heard is that he's progressing, and that's it. I think so, he's out for the season. So there's no real fucking timetable there. Uh, so they call up Jeremy Swayman, who gets his first NHL start last night, Tuesday night, on the second half of a back-to-back against Philly, and I thought he looked fantastic. Yeah, absolutely um, awesome. 40 saves on 42 shots, which was, I think, second most among um, rookie, or like... A uh, uh, third. Was a third among, yeah. amongst uh, rookie rookie goaltenders in their first start. Um yep. Unbelievable. I, I loved his aggression. I don't know. Ethan, were you able to watch the game last night? No. no? Oh, that stinks. If you, if you could, before next week, go back and watch his highlights. I think you would love his aggression. He was, he was very assertive to the puck. Any, any shot from you know outside the tops of the circle, he was out, almost out of the blue mm-hmm. paint, was able to control his rebounds really well. Um, when he was in tight, he he played bigger than he is. I, he's much smaller than Vladar, who's six foot. Vladar is six foot five, two something, and Swayman looks like he's maybe six one, six two, just probably a little bit more athletic than Vladar. Um, so I really liked his. I really liked his debut, and I thought that, you know, when the Bruins drafted him, he was he won the um, Mike Richner or Richker. Um, got it. I'm so Richter? sorry. Richter, Richter. Jesus Christ, sorry, Mike Richter. All-time goaltender, I'm so sorry. Um, he won that award last year for the top goaltender goaltender in the NCAA. So, I mean, that's he already is coming in with, with huge, huge accolades. Um, he was born in Anchorage, Alaska, so he's only the third NHL goaltender to ever be from Alaska. Uh, and I think it's just you know, this could be the future that you see in between the pipes for the Boston Bruins, because I think I told, I told you guys this last week or two weeks ago, I'm done with Yaroslav Halak. I don't need to see him anymore. And with Tuka Rask, with, with his situation going on right now, I would not be surprised if he hangs him up at the end of this year. If he came, if he suffered some sort of injury, decided not to rehab and decided, oh, you know, okay, I'm feeling better after a couple of weeks. I can play. And then reaches out to go grab a puck and tweaks his back, and he's 34 years old. I don't know, dude. Maybe it's time. And he's up at the end of this year, unrestricted free agent. 
He says he wants to play nowhere else but Boston. And I think if you're Don Sweeney, you really have to sit down and talk with Cam Neely and say, is this really a guy we can see ourselves winning a Stanley Cup within the next two years? Because I think that's all Tuukka Rask has. And I would really look at his history and question his commitment level. Going back to, I, I forget what year it was, 15 or 16, when he sat out that game against Ottawa, the last game of the season, because yep. he was quote-unquote yeah. sick. Sick, yeah. AKA he sick. went to AKA he went to Buffs and Newton and crushed too many wings <laughs> and then just had the shits the next day. You know, and then and then there's other there's other things too. I mean, I don't want to put too much on him last year for the bubble. I mean, obviously I was pissed off about it, but you know, you have a family emergency, like you, you have to go and attend to that. And I don't I don't care who you are, no matter who you are, you you're gonna you're gonna do that. Your your family always comes first. But, I mean, there's been plenty of other times where he's bagged out of games, out of big games, and I don't know. It's just the guy's making $7 million a year. That would be great to get that off the books along with David Krejci's 7.125 or 7.5 mil a year, whatever it is. And I think that you look at, you know, might be a sour – well, it's, I mean, it's, it's still a good example, but it's just not – proving to be well this year, but you look at Jordan Biddington who came in in the middle of the year, ended up stealing the show for the St. Louis blues and goes on and wins a cup. You've seen it with other young goaltenders across the league too. And especially if you have a duo of that, I mean, Dan Vladar, I think because he has more experience, he played, I think pretty much the whole year in the AHL last year until Rask left the bubble and he had to be called up and he got exposed against Tampa Bay. Um, you know he's a he's a reliable goaltender. He he does really well. He's a big body. I think he plays smart. He's, I think he plays more square to the puck, where Swayman uses his athleticism a little bit more. And I think that if you can have two young goaltenders going forward, as opposed to one older one and one younger one, where the older one has the most experience and he's probably going to play in the bigger situations and everything like that. I think you're more beneficial having two young goaltenders, especially cheap. If they're both only going to cost you like two and a half to three million dollars, and you can use the rest of that money, that seven million that Rask is making on a forward or a defenseman, yeah, you have it. to do it. You have to do it. I don't know, Ethan. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on it. Well, I I completely agree with you in terms of of two Rask only really having two ish years left because you know obviously he was. He came in pretty big, um, filling in some pretty big shoes after Tim Thomas leaving the team. Um, you know, he has done pretty well for the team, but lately his commitment, like you said, has been pretty shaky. It really seems like he could be doing a lot better than he is. Um, but then to have a young player, I, I forget, how, how do you say his name? Sw- uh, Swayman. Oh, Swayman. Swayman. Jeremy to, Swayman. Okay, I, which I'm, I'm going to watch that game probably today or tomorrow. Uh, probably tomorrow. Um, cause I do remember seeing, um, some articles or whatever, whether it was on Reddit or, or on the internet or something like that, that he played out of his ass that he absolutely oh, he played phenomenal. Um, but if that in, in the eight, sorry to cut you up in no, the AHL this year, I think he started off seven and oh, or six and oh, mm-hmm. which I mean, is, you, he like in your first professional season, I think he's 21, 22 years old. 22. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah, no. Stuff, but yeah, you can talk on it more than I can, Ethan. Sorry. It's it's fantastic. No, it's okay. Um, but 
Tukarask, um, yeah, no, he, how, how, what was I saying? Um, it's a little shaky. He's, yeah. He's um, just, like, could he be more available at least? It's, I think the term I want to use is wishy-washy. He's very. Yes. Yeah, that's a good term. <laughs> Um, <laughs> cause I feel like in terms of a goaltender, you need to absolutely have somebody that you can count on that, you know, when shit hits the fan, you got to know, all right, well, we have a solid person in net to make the big saves when we need to. And I guess the other night made some really huge saves, ended up winning the game. Um, I think he could definitely be a really good future Bruins player or even present Bruins player rather. But, um, and then to touch on getting rid of <laughs> getting rid of Halak, I think that I, I agree with that. I think he needs to go. But I just think the the ship has sailed on Halak. He he's been a great backup here for however many years he's played here. It's just I think this year he just he's gotten exposed and he can only play in so many games back like in a row until teams start figuring him out. And I mean, I think he's he's older than Rask. I think I think he's thirty six. So thirty five. 35. Okay. Yeah. So he's still a year older than, why do you, why do you want two goaltenders that are in the mid thirties? Exactly. How often does does that work? The NHL is too fast and too skilled now to, to afford that. So, and also the Bruins second period last night was some of the worst hockey I've ever seen. And I feel like I've said that 10 times this year, watching the Boston Bruins. So (laughs) figure it out. Some sort of, some sort of move has to be made. And especially if Charlie McAvoy, who's, been the Bruins' best player all year long is going to get beat up. Can you have a guy that's better than Kevin Miller come in and play, please? Thank you. I've said my piece. <laughs> it's, uh, Cam, Cam, you have anything on the on the Bruins before oh, we? Oh uh, boy, do I? Yeah, no, I am completely done. I need with a Tugarask. drink. I, I'm truly, truly <laughs> done with Tugarask. And and I've been kind of wishy-washy with him for the last couple of years. I've never loved the guy. He has skill. He always has had skill. He's never had mental strength. He is uh, similar to Clay Buckholtz, if you're a baseball fan, if you're a Boston baseball fan in that sense, where the guy had one great year with the Red Sox, a few good years with the Red Sox, one great year in 2013, won the World Series. After that, just turned into a puddle of fucking piss. And and has never recovered from that. And Tuka Rask has, I think, been better in his career than Clay Buckholtz was in his career, despite the fact fucking Lully. Absolutely. Yeah, no, despite the fact that Rask has Yeah, no, Clay Buckholtz was was miserable to watch every year after twenty (sighs) thirteen. And, you know, despite the fact that Rask did win the cup in twenty third two thousand eleven, wasn't the starter. I mean, he's been to two finals since then, but unreliable is absolutely the word that comes to mind has had injury problems. I mean, it's an old man, geriatric injury that he has right now, tweaked his back, reaching for a puck. It's unacceptable. And here's my personal theory is the guy is staying injured right now, quote unquote, staying injured. Cause if he does want to only play in Boston, he doesn't want to get traded at the deadline. And the way I see it, and maybe I'm just being influenced by Felger and Maz here everybody's on the table at this deadline with the exception of a small handful of guys. So Mm -hmm. my personal opinion is Rask is staying in quote unquote, staying injured as long as he can. So he can ensure that he is at least in Boston until the end of this season. Uh, To answer the question of what I think the Bruins goaltending situation is going to be next year. I, I really have always liked Yaroslav Halak. I think that that ship has sailed and I am done with Tuka Rask. 
I'd rather have Tuka Rask come back next year than um, maybe go with the two young guys. But if it came down to going with the two young guys, I'm all in on it. I'm fine with it. I, I'd love to see it. I think it'd be a cool dynamic, one that we haven't seen in a long time in Boston. And listen, it's a very small sample size with Jeremy Swayman and for Daniel Vladar. Very, very yes. small sample size for both of them. 100%. And I, I absolutely have loved Daniel Vladar this year with the exception of a couple wishy-washy moments. Uh, but it's too early to speak on Swayman, but I thought he was great last night. And I have a lot of faith in the young goalie core with Boston right now. Yeah. My, yeah, that's another thing too that I even failed to mention was like, if you're trying to move Rask at the deadline, you're not going to get much for him. Really, if anything, he's hurt. Hurt, quote unquote, yep. he's hurt. So what are you going to get for him? And his cap hits seven million dollars. So I don't know. Anyway, let's not get too fired up, Nick, this week about the Bruins. I mean, no, we love it. We absolutely love it. Don't worry. Uh, apparently, I'm cursed. So yeah, you are. Oh my god. <laughs> oh and two, Sonic Veradian this year at the TD Garden. Make sure she never enters it again. Oops, I'm going again. <laughs> Oh my goodness. I Let's just won't tell you what game. Around. That's all right. It's Let's fine. It to oh, don't worry. We'll end up seeing on your Instagram. Let's send it to Puckin' Around. That's true. <laughs> wait, wait, you. hold on. Which pose is she going to be doing when she posts it this time? Oh, fuck you both. <laughs> There's a Jumbotron. Here's the one that's going to be two middle fingers for you guys. Yeah, Good. you hopefully and your little actually, gloves. Hopefully, you actually it, do it. I will. I'm going to just for you. Good. You better tag both of us with our names right above each finger. Oh, I will. I'll even it'll go along with your fucking sign too. About fucking time. It's been yeah. long enough. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Jacob anyway. Russ comes back and he doesn't do shit because you didn't make the sign. Send it to Puckin' Around. Quit fucking around. Oh, fuck you. No, hey, fuck you. Fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. Guys, stop fucking around. And everybody's favorite segment of the week, you know it is, so let's get right to it. I'm going to start, if you guys don't mind. Okay. Go for it. By all means. All right. Uh, Two-part question. Are you guys into game shows, particularly two that have been going on for decades now? Uh, depends game, on the game, game show. Game shows <laughs> meaning like, and Wheel I don't of know. For, this is... Wheel of Fortune. Okay. And like and, Jeopardy? And Jeopardy. Yes. <laughs> are, okay. you guys, are you guys fans of the show? I mean, I don't. Shows. I, I wouldn't don't say like a fan, but I, but yeah. I, I would watch Jeopardy now and then. But Wheel of Fortune, no. Yeah, not everybody at once now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll just go around. Cam, would you watch both? Uh, I'm not a big Wheel of Fortune guy, but I will watch Jeopardy. I like Jeopardy a lot. Ethan. Uh, yes, I would watch both. Not as much as my grandparents. Uh, fun fact: my neighbor was on Jeopardy. Uh, I great. think she only won like five grand. Which is, you know, it's I'll take five grand. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and Sony? Um, no Wheel of Fortune for me, but Jeopardy, I'll I'll watch now and then. Yeah. Pat okay, Zajac, so big Capitals fan though. Got to give him a shout out. Pat Zajac also makes uh, fifteen million dollars a year doing Wheel of Fortune. Good wow. for him. Uh, Vanaway, I think, makes like ten. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> uh, so given that this week's celebrity guest is Aaron Rodgers. Oh, geez. Yeah, we lost him. Good Wow. <laughs> <laughs> the suspense is killing me. 
<laughs> you guys still Keep here? On. Yes. We're all here. But you could you still hear me as I was? No. Nope. Oh no, nope. you were gone, buddy. You were out. You're done. <laughs> Perfect. You said Aaron <laughs> Rodgers, and then what? <laughs> great, 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 great. All right, so you can go back and cut that. So we will start. Oh God, in three. no. Oh, oh, that's saying it. <laughs> um, so given the fact that Aaron Rodgers is the celebrity hostess for the next two weeks on Jeopardy, who would you like to see from the NHL be a celebrity host on Jeopardy, if not the full-time host? Can it be a former player? Yep. Busy. Biz nasty? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that I, think, I think that would be wildly entertaining. Ethan? Oh God. Mm. Oh. I'm, trying to, I'm trying to think of, you know, what I've seen on, on like Instagram and the NHL's like media pages. Who's like a really fun player that would be a, a good host. Um, if, if we could get a tandem between Tory Krug and Brad Marchand together, I think that would be great too. Oh, I think that'd be decent. But I don't um, think you've ever seen a tandem on Jeopardy. So no, probably not. True. True. Speaking in hypotheticals here. Correct. Okay, so since you guys are still thinking, I'll just go with mine. Um, <laughs> I would like to see Brian Burke, the uh, now the yeah. assistant GM of the Pittsburgh Penguins. I think that guy is so knowledgeable, and he would nail all those hard ass uh, words and questions. <laughs> and he would probably and he'd probably chirp along the way too. Oh, hell, a chirping, absolutely. <laughs> it would be funny to see Bruce Cassidy as a host. <laughs> It'd just be horrible. <laughs> Just like always, like on his tippy toes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So oh, that's you your know answer, what? Sonic? Oh no! It's uh... all right. Go ahead, Ethan. Let Sonic can think it, some more. Can it? It can be a coach, right? Sure. John Tortorella. Oh, oh God, no! Please that's no. One. That's a I would. I would one. literally turn the TV off. Phenomenal answer. Great answer. <laughs> Fucking torts. Oh. You know what? I thought your answer was shit. That's right. I said shit. John, we, we've been canceled. You you swear too much. John, uh, you did not live up to Alex Trebek's legacy. Please step away from the mic. Um, just in case if Sonic needs a little bit more time to think. Uh, I don't, yeah, I don't know. It's just ridiculous. God. I'll just get someone who doesn't speak English. That's like I, half the team's. I, I'll give you an answer then, Sonic. Uh, I have really enjoyed Patrick Sharp since he joined the NBC broadcasting crew. Okay. And, uh, I think he's he's very articulate, very well-spoken, and God damn it, very he handsome. is one of the most beautiful men in the entire world. <laughs> right? <laughs> Super handsome. Damn. <laughs> he is very handsome. All right, well, all right, maybe I'll just go with Catherine Tappan. Oh. Yeah, okay, good one. Catherine Tappan, excellent at her job. Very yeah. pretty. Very. All right. Well, that's that, my yeah. question. Okay. <laughs> Who's got next? Uh, I'll go next. Okay. Um. Okay. I'll start. I'll start giving uh, my answer now. Okay. <laughs> Fuck you. Um. Who would you want to see traded from your teams? Kevin Miller, Jake DeBrusque. Wow, that was quick, Nick. <laughs> Ethan. <laughs> that was quick. Yeah, he's had it in his head for a long time. <laughs> so let me think of more. I can think of more. Nick Ritchie, Craig Smith. Frederick. What? I'm not trading Trent Frederick. No, I'm not trading Trent Frederick. Can't stand him. Sean Corrali, Chris Wagner, David Krejci. 
like like we said, I mean, I think every Bruin is on the table. For the <laughs> I <most> know. <laughs> um, All right. I don't know. I, I For the Capitals, I don't think that there's like one definitive guy who I'd be willing to move on from. There really isn't. I mean, if if I can say, I don't want to say Dmitry Orlov because the guy has value and the guy is a good player, but God damn it, if he doesn't piss me off more than any other player on the team. Uh, but that's not a good enough reason for me to justify wanting him traded because I don't want him traded. There really isn't a, a, a single capital that I want gone right now. Not even a Carl Haglin. I, I I actually quite enjoy Carl Haglin. I mean, maybe Richard Ponick because I mean he has been scratched. Well, recently. they just put him on waivers. They just yeah, they did. They just put him on waivers. I don't even effing know, dude. I I don't know. I don't have an answer. I'm sorry. At least not right now. Maybe I'll think of Would one. Would you move on from like a, a Hathaway? No, I like the grit. I like the the level of play that he has, and he's not a big cap hit, so. I mean, what about maybe, Lars I, I, Ella? I, huh? Lars Eller? Nope. Kuznetsov? Kuznetsov. I was about to say Kuznetsov because he takes up a hell of a lot of cap space and he has underperformed this year. If I wasn't, if I was ignoring the future of this team and the potential that he could still bring to the Capitals, I would probably say Evgeny Kuznetsov. But I, I think that there's still untapped potential with him to be a contributor in the future. But it would clear a hell of a lot of cap space. And you'd probably get a decent return for him too. Very good return, I would think. I don't know. Maybe I'm just too committed to to the the love that I have for some of these players. Maybe I'm pulling a a Peter Shirelli and I'm overvaluing <laughs> some of these guys. So I, I will say Evgeny Kuznetsov for the sake of the question. Ethan, um, I I'd, I'd be okay with just moving on from Patrick Maroon. Honestly, what an easy answer. Fourth liner that's worth nothing. Uh, what, <laughs> what do you want me to say? Andre you want me to Pilot? say all? Oh, Tyler Johnson, somebody of value. Okay, all right, that's fair. I mean, Jake DeBrus was not that much value. <laughs> Ethan just conceded so easily. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan McDonough. Would you trade Ryan McDonough for a younger defenseman? For a younger defenseman, yeah, probably. And again, I'd, clear up a lot of cap space. About six point eight million dollars every year. Oof. That's a hefty price. My God. I mean, what about a Blake Coleman? You trade him right now. You owe him about nine hundred thousand dollars for the rest of the year. He's unrestricted at the end of the season. Didn't I'm pretty sure. Did we get Blake Coleman? Was it last year? With um, was it Barkley Goudreau? I think. Yeah, they got Goudreau last year. I think we picked up both of them last year. I could be wrong on that. Because Goudreau came from the Sharks, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'd be okay with letting Coleman go. Coleman came from the Devils, pretty yes. sure. Yeah, he might have. Yeah, he was. The, yeah, because they put them two on the same line. And they actually played pretty well. All right. Well, uh, enough of the dead silence. So, Sonic, <laughs> how about you? <laughs> Uh, mine would be Miller and DeBrusque. Do it. Do it. Those are the two that I said. I know, would, and I agree with you, you. Who would you trade from? Nick, no, 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 no. Hold on. In, in defense of Sonic, you named half the fucking Bruins roster. Yeah, you named yeah, half the, the freaking team. I named two names to start, and it was Miller and DeBrusque. All right, and I don't like Frederick, so I want him out. Who would you trade from Edmonton? 
Oh. Uh, who would I trade? Oh, man. Mr. Rogers, cue the Jeopardy music, please. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I mean, Archibald's doing pretty good. I would keep him. That's not the question. I don't know. I have to think. I have to think about it. Literally, your question. I have to think about it. I didn't think about the Oilers. I was thinking about the Bruins. But the Oilers are your team. They're not my team. Bruins are my team. So I don't know. So next question. How about Alex Chazon? He he. You owe him over a million dollars for the rest of the season. He's unrestricted to the end of the year. Fine, I'll take him out. How about Magnus? (laughs) How about Magnus Pagliarvi? Is he still on the team? Uh, uh, oh, maybe Jesse Pugliarvi. Uh, oh, who am I thinking of? Those his name is Magnus. Magnus, yeah, isn't Pugliarvi? Do they have two Pugliarvis? I uh, yeah, Jesse Pugliarvi. Jesse, the, who is Magnus. the dude Magnus something no clue. that they had a couple years ago? <laughs> Thought he was still in the squad anyway. All right, who's next, Ethan or Kim? Uh, I'll go. Just a a very light question. Um, in terms of winning the Stanley Cup, um, since a Canadian team hasn't won since '93, which Canadian team would you like to see win the cup? Um, I swear that I'm not saying this out of sympathy for their current situation. I would like to see Vancouver win, just based off of the fact that they have never won. So I hate that you said that because that was actually my answer. Um, damn, I should have said that first. That's okay. Uh, I kind of want to see uh, either Calgary or Ottawa, but that's never happening. Uh, my number one pick would would be to see Calgary win. Uh, second pick would be Winnipeg because Winnipeg also has never won. Yeah. Okay, cool. And fuck Toronto and fuck Montreal. All right. So that just leaves me if everybody answered. Yep. Yep. Okay. Brilliant. So my question for this week's edition of pucking around might require a little bit of thinking. So once again, if we can get the Jeopardy music going, if you could name three players for, um, if you could nominate the three players for the Hart Memorial trophy right now for MVP, who would they be? Jesus. Oh, uh, really, Cam? <laughs> McDavid. Yep. Uh, Dre Seidel. Austin yep. Matthews. Yeah, that's my three. Okay, I'll, I'll name my three now since we're waiting for y'all to. I don't know what the yucks were about. I mean, Nick was quick. He knew right out of the gate what he was going to say. But I am going to name... I l- Listen, I... The whole MVP thing bugs me because I hate it when guys win it when they play for teams that don't even make the playoffs, so I try to take that into account. But I also wanted to give some slightly different answers because I figured that there are some pretty easy names out there. McDavid, McKinnon, Matthews, whatever, Dreisaitl. I did put Connor McDavid in. I mean, the stats are undeniable. 64 points, 22 goals, 42 assists. It's fucking great. Uh, I did throw Patrick Kane in there because he has been a massive contributor to... Chicago, who this season, no one really knew where they were going to be, and and they have certainly put themselves in as a uh, contender and have been fighting for the playoff spots all year. They're in fifth right now, but they could still very well make it uh, into the playoffs. 
And one more answer for me would actually be Alexander Barkov. Because once again, uh, he has 42 points, 16 goals, 26 assists uh, throughout this season. I just wanted to throw him in there maybe more for respect than anything because he has been an instrumental piece to the fact that Florida has uh, been sitting in the number one spot in the National Hockey League for a few days now. Fantastic player. He's a, he's the type of guy who uh, I think will spend a long time in Florida and is really one of the core pieces they've built around for the last few years. And again, instrumental in their success so far this year. So slightly different answers from what I'm sure a lot of people are expecting, but maybe showing some love for some guys who probably won't win it, but I think could. Um, I So I I do obviously like McDavid, Dreisaitl. Those are obvious answers. But to get away from from those players, I think, I don't know, a couple other good players. Stamkos, Kucherov. Kucherov. He hasn't, he hasn't even played this season. Yeah, exactly. Kucherov's going to come back. He's going to score 60 goals in six games. <laughs> I was, I was going to say maybe Jack Eichel or Tammy Panarin or – you know, players like Panarin's that. But, a good one. Um, if you want me to say Stamkos, I'll say Stamkos. I would choose Hedman over Stamkos. Agreed. That's respectable. I'll I'll give you that. Another name I'll give to you, uh, Mark Stone. Oh, Vegas. very very yeah. good one. Okay. okay. Yeah. Also, I refuse to say Austin Matthews because fuck his facial hair. Anyway, <laughs> Sonic. Can't stand that guy. <laughs> Um, I, I mean, he he won't win it, but if I was just going based off Bruins MVP, it would be Marsha under McAvoy. And I think when Marshawn's out of the lineup, the Bruins are a totally different team. Hell yeah. Well, that rounds up, uh, the top half of the lineup. So let's, uh, carry on. And, uh, Cam, what have you thought of the Red Sox so far? Three and three start. Oh, boy. Oh, are we really going to do this? Are we really going to do this? I mean, you can cue the outro music and you can do it in uh, 20 seconds if you want. It's <laughs> <laughs> about all the socks deserve anyway. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Very, very quickly. Obviously, the last three games against the Rays were really good. The only thing I'm going to talk about right now, though, is how fucking infuriated I still am about how the biggest uh, free agency splash high and blue made was that fucking dope Garrett Richards him and his awful mustache one year, one year, $15 million. And the guy has the audacity after the game to say in interviews, how the ball just when they made contact, just landed in places where the guys with the gloves weren't, you are not going to last in this Boston market. You absolute clown, you absolute effing tool. I was pissed when they signed him. All right. That's not fair to say. I wasn't pissed when they signed him. I was still expecting them to do more. But going into the season, realizing that was the only thing they were going to do, that's what pissed me off. And boy, oh boy, I think he's got, if it was me, I'd give him at max two more starts to turn that shit around. Can you believe he makes $15 million? $15 million. Pad Sajak makes the same thing, and Pad Sajak is way more entertaining. <laughs> I don't know. You could argue the game on Sunday was pretty fucking entertaining. From, yeah, I from, guess that's true. From the, the, listen, nobody hates the Red Sox more than Red Sox fans. And when they suffer, I relish in it a little bit for some reason, more than any other organization. And that's the way I am with all my teams. But I don't know, man. That's all I'm going to say about the Red Sox right now because we're, we're pretty over our time here. All right, fair enough, Will. Thank you, everybody, again for tuning in to the Third Line Grinders. Make sure to like, subscribe, leave us a comment. 
send us those emails with uh, with any questions or comments or concerns and let us know and we look forward to talking to you next week bye bye, bye.